Alright, good morning. This is Patrick Wright from The Final Whistle and here we are with Ed Cowan just talking about uh, state cricket versus international cricket, the pay gap and the, and the challenges associated. Morning Ed. Patrick, hi. How are you going? Well. So, um, just to kick off, basically, you know, we know you've gone from being a state cricketer, international cricket and back to state cricket. So what challenges did you experience being a state cricket contract compared to being on international cricketer contract? <laughs> it's, a, it's a good question, I, I guess. To answer it, I sort of need to look at it in two parts. When I first started um, playing state cricket, the the wages were very, very different to what they are now with the emergence of the Big Bash. So I think my first contract might have been seven and a half thousand dollars for New South Wales, yep. and there was a huge incentive uh, to make the team and and indulge in some match payments, and you could make a, a a pretty good living as a domestic cricketer without it being a great living uh, with that massive incentive of being the best you could be and, and playing international cricket and being really well rewarded for that. Yeah. Um, so as I said, you know, it's $7,500 living in Sydney, not a lot of money. Um, and then, you know, as I sort of came through the squad, obviously that improved um, significantly. But then yeah. when you made the test team, you know, you're, you're probably earning, I don't know, 10 times what you're earning as a state cricketer. So yeah. it's it's a significant jump up um, to the point where you're, you're dealing in, in numbers that you, yeah. you probably don't know, quite know what to do with, or it's a bit ridiculous for, to, to play cricket and being paid so well. Yeah. Um, and, and then I guess having come out of the, the test team, you, you get a little bit of a shock, um, but I guess you've, you've got a few more um, experience points, I guess. So yeah, you, yeah. you come back on a, on a decent state contract but now, really, with the emergence of the Big Bash, you can be a pretty average domestic cricketer. Um, you know, you might get 80 grand from your state team, match payments of maybe 30 or 40, and then earn 100 grand for six weeks' work in the Big Bash. Yeah. Indian Premier League, uh, you can you can be paid stupid money. So there are guys now who probably don't have that huge incentive to, sure. to be a great international cricketer. But I guess the point I'm trying to make is the game's changed rapidly. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's still a, a massive gap between what the best guys are being paid and, and the guys who are sort of off-Broadway and, and, and yeah. trudging their stuff in domestic cricket. And it can be hard and, and you've got to be ready if you if you do go up and down that, um, you know, your income is going to fluctuate significantly. Yeah. And what do you, um, and what do you think you, you learnt from going, sort of fluctuating, going up state, international, then back yeah. down state? I'd say it wasn't a... It wasn't a huge shock as it could have been maybe 10 years ago, but is there anything particularly that you, you learnt from that experience, uh, especially in regards to managing finances? Yeah, I, I think even when well, you become actually, the irony being you become really good at managing your finances when you're not earning much money. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then, you know, some people get carried away, I guess, when, the, when they are earning lots of money. But for me, I don't know, I was always from a, a family that was pretty business savvy. Yeah. Um, so when I started seeing, you know, these sort of inflated numbers, I was like, what a great opportunity to set myself up yeah. for, for 10 years rather than let's go buy a new $200,000 car. Yeah. I was still cruising around in a $10,000 Subaru. So yeah. uh, it was just a, an opportunity not to get carried away you know, with, with what was happening as, as you see quite a few people doing yeah. uh, not trying to keep up with the Joneses and, and realising that there was a massive opportunity um, that wasn't going to last forever yeah. to set yourself up for not not for life that that's a real, realistic or unrealistic assumption but certainly to make transit i was always eyeing off what happens at the end of my cricket yeah. career and if if i could 
afford to live for, I was always thinking, two or three years mm. while I set myself up on the realisation that I'd have to do some hard yards in a normal job and, and might earn 60 grand a year. Yeah. Um, and what would I do if I was earning 60 grand a year? Well, I'll sort of have this, this pool of money that I'd been smart with, uh, put aside, invested, grown, um, so that I could still keep the same quality of life yeah. without um, having that pressure of flogging myself for 80 hours a week for, for 60 grand. Yeah, I mean, I guess some players probably don't don't approach it quite as sensibly, I guess. But... No, I've, I've seen that play out and, and you see it play out the whole time. Even with with really good domestic cricketers that have, you know, you can, you can now earn, as I said, a, a good yeah. living. Um, when that stops, it's a pretty cushy, cushy week. You know, yeah, international yeah. cricket, you earn your money. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's tough. Yeah, yeah. Pressure, yeah, I think in two years I had in the team, at one stage I'd had 14 days at home. You know, you, yeah. you earn every cent. In domestic cricket, I'm not so sure, you know. <laughs> you're, you're playing 43 days of the year or 46 days of the year. Um, yeah, yeah. You can be pretty well paid and I think people, you know, are pretty comfortable. Yeah. Um, and because it's comfortable, they probably think it's going to go on forever. Yeah, sure. And then you've co-founded your own coffee company. Like, what advice would you have for other athletes looking to get involved in setting up their own business? And do you think small businesses are a solution to huh. issues you've expressed about, <laughs> you know, with, uh, in the previous questions about, you know, financials yeah. and managing your finances? It's a good question. I think my advice would be, you know, I think there are so many, as you'd appreciate, uh, advantages of running your own business. Yeah. Uh, you know, particularly sportsmen are used to the a pretty flexible lifestyle. Yeah. Um, you know, with being able to uh, manage your own time and it sort of fits in with that. But I, I guess my advice would be, and having not done this, I, I probably would have liked maybe two or three years learning from some, you know, worked in a small business or a medium-sized business. Because unless you have the money to fund yourself, yeah. uh, there's not much money to to pull out of a small business in the first couple of years and there's always yeah. more costs than you think. Uh, you're always making mistakes that, that do cost you money. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, I've sort of treated our business, I, I guess, as a live case study of, of a bit, as a little bit of a, at the moment, a two year sort of NBA live project yeah, yeah. so that when cricket does finish, I've, I've finished with those mistakes and yeah. we can really grow the business to being a really good business. But, you know, it takes two, three, four years unless you get really lucky. Yeah, uh, and I don't know if people necessarily have that time. So my advice would be, if you can, I'd, I'd, I'd probably do two, have two or three years experience, do some hard yards, yeah, yeah. learning learning the game. And then, you know, if you've got a great idea to to start a small business, then then go for it. Yeah, maybe like the mentor route or something like that. Yeah, or, absolutely. Yeah. And also you're also studying um, Master of Applied Finance combined with your business do you think this has helped or hindered on field performance knowing that yeah. you weren't wholly reliant on your sporting career yeah another good question oh there's like two sides of the coin yeah. some people and i'll probably say incorrectly say oh you, you know you don't want it it's easy to say oh he's not hard enough or wanted enough because yeah. it doesn't mean enough because there's other things in his life going mm. on i've always viewed the opposite that cricket for me, particularly the last couple of years, has been a passion that I've wanted to explore and keep yeah. getting better and, and, and hungry f for winning games of cricket. And that 
has kind of taken the pressure off my cricket a little bit and yeah. I've enjoyed that rather than I think as an intense sort of 20 year old trying to make my way in the world cricket was everything yeah yeah of course and and I'd put everything into that basket and cricket's a game that doesn't always happen for you particularly when you're opening the batting so if you have a bad couple of weeks it could be a really dark place yeah yeah and and I see a lot of young cricketers do it so to have that outlet to have that release of something else to focus on and then giving all your attention and energy to cricket when you're at cricket rather than all through the the night you know your sleepless nights and and thinking what's going wrong then you just you give cricket your energy when you're at cricket um, and, and find time for the other stuff. So cricket's still the number one priority, Yeah. but I've enjoyed sort of taking taking the focus off it when it hasn't needed to be focused on, I guess would be the best explanation. Yeah, cool. I mean, this kind of leads on to the next question because I was just talking about, you were talking about managing your time. Because we know that, as you said, professional sport requires huge amounts of dedication, you know, travel, as you've mentioned before. Like how do you manage this whilst at the same time setting up your own business, studying, and of course you've got a young family as well, which you can't, you know, I'm sure you, which you want to spend time with, you can't neglect. Yeah, uh, it's tricky. Yeah. I, get, uh, I think if you ask my wife, she'd probably say she'd always want more time yeah. with me, uh, you know, because she's probably the one that has been neglected. Um, I think it's a realisation that professional sport does take a lot of time, and particularly cricket, you know, yeah. Yeah, the 12, 13 hour days on game day. Uh, but four, four a, days a week. Yeah, four, yeah, exactly. But that's for 50 days of the year. Yeah. So if you if you kind of take the big picture view and pull back and, as I said, take that sort of helicopter view, you play for 50 days of the year. Yeah. So you put those aside. I might train, let's say, on 150 days or 200 days of the year, but that, those training sessions are three hours in a day, yeah. four hours in a day maximum. Uh, you know, even between training sessions, if you really want to do something, mm. you'll find time for it. Yeah, okay. You know, yeah, yeah. you see so much time wasting, and you need to recover, and you need to chill out, and go to the beach or play golf. Yeah. And I still, I'm still find find time for that as well. Yeah, yeah. But your management of your time becomes not only efficient, but um, you find hours of the day that you didn't know existed. You might get up two hours earlier to get something done. You might instead of watching chilling out on the couch at night you might yeah. do some small business yeah. accounting and, and log into zero and do some reconciliation which is always fun <laughs> on a Monday night but you know my point yeah. being that you you want to find time I've, I've always been a big believer in in you'll find it and I'd rather be busy than bored yeah of course nice one and just you've already touched on this a bit too but what advice if any do you have for, for not just cricketers but any young professional athletes who are to help make them better find decisions financially whilst yeah. they're still playing to help prepare them better for life after yeah. sport? Good question. I think it's just a question of educating yourself. Yeah. And there are a lot of guys that I've played cricket with that have no formal education, you know, didn't finish school, didn't go to uni, but they've gone out of their way to learn financial literacy. Yeah, yeah. You know, and they've become, they, they play really good cricket, but they're actually very very shrewd uh, as investors or uh, you know they haven't relied on anyone for advice they've certainly had people um, give them advice but they've they've been accountable for their own outcomes I guess where I'll see you see a lot of young guys have financial advisors and they've got no idea but at no stage do they then take that leap and say I'm going to train myself up I'm going to go do a course in 
you know, whatever it is, property investing and, and learn about negative gearing and the tax implications. You know, so it's actually not that hard. Financial, yeah. I think people see financial li- literacy and and think that it's a bit of an insider's game, or it is, but there's not. there are actually very few barriers of entry to being an insider. Yeah, yeah. And it, it takes a little bit of nous and a little bit of effort to upskill yourself to, to get to know the basics of accounting or the basics of small business management or the basics of property investment. You don't need to be an expert, but I, th- I think you need to be on the page that the experts are on, yeah, and yeah. then you can make your own decisions as to what kind of advice you want to take on. Yeah, cool. Awesome, mate. Thank you so much for that. I appreciate you got a game today, Morris Shield game tomorrow. Good luck with that. And um, yeah, thanks very much. No problems. Cheers, mate. Thanks for having me.